Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Shall I do good morning church again? <laughs> All right, we are in the middle of our series called Reigning in Grace, and hopefully by now it's not as foreign of an expression for you because we've been using it every single message. And it comes from the book of Romans chapter 5. And today I'm going to continue what I started last time, talking about two covenants. It's important to know the, what covenant is because basically covenant is a foundational structure through which God interacts with his people. And there are two major covenants in the Bible. There's the old covenant, the old covenant that you had very little to do with. <laughs> and there's a new covenant that has everything to do with you. That's why it's important to study your Bible to distinguish those two things because they really, really speak to you how God works in your life. How can you expect God to work in your life? So I was going to re recap a lot of what I said last time, but my good friend George said, like, no, don't do that. Like, get into the new stuff. Okay, I'm, but I'll, I'll give you a brief recap. And the reason I'm talking about it again, new covenant and old covenant, is because there is much confusion today and there's a lot of wrong beliefs in the church today because people read the Bible without distinguishing, distinguishing these two covenants. And specifically today, I will be talking about the foundational block in your Christian walk. Some of you know that my house got damaged recently. A car ran into the wall in the middle of the night. You heard the story. Yeah, I'm not really that traumatized. I don't know, but like, wow, a car ran into my house in the middle of the night. It, well, what I'm traumatized is by how long did it take for insurance to figure things out. Uh, that, well, I'm an American now. Learn to be like an American. Uh, so finally, one month later, they started the work. Uh, and the, the guy who is like a masonry expert came and he said, not only your wall is damaged, your foundation is damaged. So after he cleared it up, he started putting big blocks, the foundation. And he said, I cannot just do everything at once. I need to lay those first. Let them settle. Let them settle. Let them settle. And then I'll come and I'll start putting the bricks on top of them. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing the big blocks today. I'm let them settle. Uh, I'm going to talk about the forgiveness of sins. And you know why that girl could lead somebody to the Lord and some of you don't? Because it didn't get settled in you and it, it probably got settled in her. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to borrow that from her. That's not right. You know, where there's forgiveness, there's no punishment. Why are you being punished right now? Well, I'm going ahead of myself. Uh, so last time we looked at the book of Hebrews to see how different these two covenants are. And I want you to remember that the new covenant is not an extension and continuation of the old covenant. It is not. It is radically and intrinsically different. 
And we have looked at the stark contrast between these two covenants. It's a different covenant. One more time, I'll say it's a different covenant, very different covenant. You're not supposed to conflate them and confuse them together. The new covenant does not add to the old. It does not renew the old. It does not correct the old. It replaces the old. The new covenant replaces the old covenant. All right? You can't have both. Enough said. What separates these two? Who remembers the last time I spoke? The cross of Jesus. The cross of Christ. Jesus said, this is the covenant in my blood. When the blood was shed, when the cross happened, when Jesus was put to death and he was raised from the dead, that's when the new covenant was inaugurated. And this is a great news for us. And the author of the book of uh, Hebrews says, this is a new covenant, this is a different covenant, and then he says a beautiful thing, this is a much better covenant. You need to get it down to you. Much better covenant. New covenant is much better covenant. I... Honestly, I'm being irritated by Christians that flirt with Jewish antiquities so much. They love those shofars and this and that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just because you don't see how beautiful the new covenant is. That's why you're like, oh, these things are so cool. I'm going to open the portal. I'm, so, I'm being rude right now. Sorry. But I kept it for too long. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's like, for me, it's like grow up. It's like little kid playing in the sandbox when it's his time to drive a big, nice car. Don't do that, okay? So, the old covenant was introduced by Moses on the Mount Zion. The new covenant was inaugurated at the hill called Golgotha through the cross of Jesus. Amen? So, let me ask you the question. What is the most fundamental difference between these two covenants? Grace. Somebody said grace. Who said grace? A plus. Grace. A plus. A plus to all of you. Grace. It is grace. <laughs> what is the most fundamental difference? The old covenant was transactional in nature. It was based on the principle of wages. Quid pro quo. Tit for tat. You understand? It was totally in proportion to what you do. You're going to get stuff from God. Good or bad? And of course you go for good. You ended up getting bad stuff from God. Blessings or curses. That's the Old Testament. Very easy. And the funny thing, it's like, it's easy for us to grasp. But grace is really hard to grasp sometimes because it blows your mind. So the new covenant is based on God's grace. It's a gift of God. I love these verses. I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. John 1:17. For the law... The old covenant was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. One thing came through Moses. Another thing, well, actually, it's not, it doesn't even say it came. It says was given by Moses. It's a thing. Another covenant, it says grace and truth came. It's a person. That's a, that's a way better covenant. 
It's a way better covenant. And I can like give you a list of things, why is it better? But I want to give you one thing that I think the most important. Why is it better? Because uh, it reveals true heart, true nature, true disposition of God. Here's what happens. In the Old Testament, there are glimpses of God's revelation. And in between them, there are a lot of assumptions inserted by people. Here's what's happening. You know, I, don't, I wasn't born in America. English is not my native language. Sometimes I, I, I want to just pour out my heart and I lose words. And I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for words to communicate what's in, within me. Do you understand that if I would have spoken my native language, it would be much more easier for me? I wouldn't have to think about words. I would just... Yeah. One time I actually did that in, uh, when I preached in a school here locally. And the teenagers loved it. They, they were like, yeah, he spoke Russian. Yeah. So that's what was happening. When, when God came originally to, the, to Abraham. Actually, Abraham got a lot of God's language. He understood a lot of God's language. David understood a lot of God's native language. But in general, people said, ah, ah, it's foreign. We can't understand you. Can you speak our language? And he goes, Okay, I guess I'll try to start with your language. It's not his native language. So the language of the law, tit for tat, quid for pro, or whatever you call it, quo, whatever, Latin. (laughs) It's not God's native language. Do you understand this? It doesn't reveal God's heart. It got coming down to your level and beginning to speak your language so that gradually he can bring you to the point where you can understand him. But what happens when Jesus has come, finally, it has happened. God, he said, guys, you're ready. And he just started, it's like for me, you say, guys, I'm tired of speaking your language. Listen to me. Jesus, Jesus Christos умер за вас, за ваши грехи. Он оживил вас вместе с собой. Come on now. Yes. So, so that's what's happening. The language of his heart in, in John 1, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews says, God spoke through, to our fathers many times in different ways. But in these last days, he spoke through his son. There is no more speaking of God. You want to know what God is like? He's like Jesus. You want to know what God is like? He's like Jesus. God has come. God has come as a human being. But it was God. That's amazing. Uh, John 1, 14, John chapter 1. I know it by heart, I, I, in Russian, in English, and maybe even in Spanish, I don't know. <laughs> no, ninguna palabra. Um, and the word, well, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and everything that came into existence came into being through him. He was in the beginning with God. And later it says, and the word became flesh in, chapter, in verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. We saw his glory. Finally, we begin to see the radiance of who God is. When we looked at Jesus, we finally, finally began to understand who God is. All 
those previous books of the Bible are great, but they're educated guesses based on glimpses of revelation. Do you hear me? Don't make it all equal, all right? It doesn't say in the beginning was the Bible and the Bible was with God and God was reading the Bible and then he, th he thought, I'm going to create a man and give him a book to read. No. God is a relational being. He is the word. Jesus is the word. The final ultimate expression and revelation of who God is. And the new covenant match is something that fully matches his heart. And it's not going to change. And it's different. And it's way better. So today let me try to place this big block of foundation that you supposedly have. But I bet you a lot of you have a lot of cracks in this block. So I'm going to clear it up. And give you a new block to put there. For some of you it's going to be new. For some of you it's not. Let's check. Check yourself as we go on. Okay. So first of all let's look at the essence of this new covenant. And we did it last time looking at the book of Hebrews. And we're going to do it again. The author of the book of Hebrews quotes the book of Jeremiah. When he talks about new covenant. And he does it in chapter 8. And he also does it again in chapter 10. He, he almost like can't get enough of it. You want to make sure, and I want to make sure you get it. Let's read it. Hebrews 10, verse 16 through 18. He gives the essence of the covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more Amen. no more i will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more that's a big block that's what i want you to settle in your life god remembers your sins no more no, ever. He says that. That's the essence of the covenant. Why do you think he, he can come and dwell in you and be in you and ride in your heart with his Holy Spirit? Because he removed your sins away from you. There's no guilt upon you. And if you carry the guilt until today, you got it wrong. All right? And I'm not mad at you. Don't worry. So uh, there are two things, right? You see two things. First of all, instead of compared to the Old Testament, compared to the Old Covenant, it was external. It was externally presented to people for them to consider, to look, to agree, and to comply. And it never worked. It had no traction. In the New Covenant, God says, you know what? I'm going to put my DNA in you. I'm going to put part of my nature in you. You're going to be born as a child of God when God came as a human being in the same chapter chapter 1 in the book of John it says he came to his own meaning to Jewish people he came as a Jewish rabbi as a Jewish prophet to Jewish people and it says his own did not receive him but those who received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God genuine children of God you know why I love my daughter 
she's got my nose and my eyes. She's got my DNA. She, I look at her, it's a little me. <laughs> That's you guys. Amen. God looks at you and he smiles. You're genuine children. That's, that's how better the new covenant is to be born of God as a genuine child of God. But listen, it's important to also know the second part of the covenant. He says, the next big thing, we become forever forgiven of our sins, trespasses, forever. And that's what the religious spirits begin to, what? So my call to you guys today, do not confuse forgiveness of sins as it was viewed under the old covenant and forgiveness of sins as it is presented in the new covenant. These are very different things, okay? So the old covenant forgiveness is conditional just like everything else. You obtain it when you see and recognize your sin when you confess it as your personal guilt before God, when you bring a sacrificial animal through the priest, and when the priest examines the animal and go and does his priestly duties on the temple complex, slaughter the animal, sprinkles with blood, burns the offering, and then he comes to you and he says, yes, it's been taken care of. You can go free now. God has nothing against you right now. But the thing is, although they called it the forgiveness of sins, it wasn't truly, genuinely forgiveness of sins as we know it in the new covenant. It was actually the technical term is covering the sins or passing over the sins. It's very different before the cross. But the problem was like it never worked. So let's say you're Israelite living in the Old Testament days and you sin and you recognize your sin and you do all of that and you're clear now. The priest said, you're okay now. How long are you going to be okay? A month? A week? A year? I don't know, but never forever, never for the rest of your life. Before the cross, millions of gallons of blood were shed, and none of it worked. That's why the author of the book of Hebrews calls this covenant ineffective, weak, and useless. And what fruit has this system produced? Listen, transactional, law-based, our native language, religion, produces one big fruit, sin consciousness. And sin consciousness would prevent you from enjoying God's presence in your life. Amen. You would have no boldness to interact with God. You would have no effectiveness in drawing near to God, in worshiping God, in, in experiencing His interacting with your heart, in being an extension of Him in this world. If you're a sin conscious person, all you know, you're, you're like self-absorbed. You're absorbed by your sense of uh, sins. So, <clears throat> and here's how the author of the book of Hebrews, and by the way, my call to you, if you really want to dig into that, study the book of Hebrews on your own. Just study, dig into it carefully, chew on every word, dig deeply into that, and you will see so much light, and you will become very clear about the difference between old and the new covenant. <clears throat> so in Hebrews 10, 
verses 11 through 14, he says, every priest, that's what he does, the comparison between two covenants again. Every priest, and he's talking about old covenant, the old covenant. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Do you hear the ineffectiveness of the whole system? They keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and nothing really works. Those priests were tired bunch. They never sat down because they're constantly people bringing reminders of their sins, reminders of their sins, sin consciousness. He says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It's done. It's finished. It's paid for. Your sins have been forgiven. And in verse 14, he says, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By a single offering, Jesus has perfected you guys. He has perfected me. And now we're being sanctified. You know what being sanctified means? The Spirit of God is really present and engaging in our life. Like our sister Lise, she came and testified. That's the Spirit of God in her. This little girl, that's the Spirit of God in her. I'm preaching now and I'm getting anointing of God. That's the Spirit of God. Your, your heart is resonating when I speak certain things to you. That's the Spirit of God. All right? So... When Christians confuse Old Covenant with the New Covenant in the area of forgiveness of sins, they do not have victorious life. Because they do it in the Old Covenant way. Uh, I'm going to try to target something that is like, it'll be ruffling some of your feathers. A lot of Christians make themselves weak by doing something that they consider to be very Christian. They do, they practice confession of sins and repentance. They think they do, but in reality they don't. They try to confess every sin and repent for every sin, and very often it only makes them weaker because they exercise their unbelief in all sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. They exercise unbelief in the new covenant. Let's look at the radical new reality of the new covenant. We have received the forgiveness of all of our sins and transgressions. Does this make sense? Is it hard to hear? Let me... Forgiveness in the new covenant is not something that God does continually over and over. It is something he has done once and for all. You say, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Ephesians 1, 7, let's read. In him, that is in Jesus, we have, we have redemption through his blood that was shed once for all, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace colossians 2:13 and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh 
God made you alive together with him, with Christ. Listen, how did he gave you, how did he make you alive? Having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Let me ask you a question. How many of your trespasses and sins are forgiven right now? Are you sure? Okay. Next question. When were your sins forgiven by God? Okay, I'm glad, like, hesitantly, but you say at the cross? Prior to the cross, somebody said, somebody's bold. That's awesome. Yeah, here's the thing. Every time you read about forgiveness of your sins, it's always connected to the blood shed on the cross, always. It's never disconnected. It's always based on the blood of the cross. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus took this death. He tasted the fullness of this death. So that's what happened on the cross. But wait. When cross happened, you weren't born yet. How, how, you, how you settle that? Well, he has forgiven the sins that you haven't committed yet because you weren't born yet. And you know what it means? It means right, right now you're sitting and some of you think, well, I'm okay so far because, well, I kind of cleared up with God some of the sins I committed last week. Are you? Any of you registered? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. But the fact is, on the cross of Christ, all of your sins that you have committed that you are committing and that you will ever commit it, will ever commit, have been forgiven by God through the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Religion wants you to take the old covenant approach and turn confession into pretty much something that the old covenant priests did. They want to turn your life into the cycle of repeatedly bringing an offering to God. And listen to me. Right now I'm going to say something that might, well, nobody authorized you to use the blood of Christ towards God. Think about it. I know some of you come from charismatic Pentecostal circles and they use blood of Christ left and right. Nobody gave you this right, dude. It's a priestly duty. And the high priest, Jesus, towards God, he was the only one worthy to unseal the scroll and do everything. And he was the one who took his own blood for every sin that you have ever committed and will ever commit. And he brought it to God into the Holy of Holies where nobody has entrance except for him. Do you hear me? So you say, Dennis, but like, but here's what he gave you permission to do. You have the full right to apply the blood of Christ to your conscience. I don't know, am I communicating anything? This is very important, guys, because very often a lot of you were deceived by believing that the voice of your conscience is the voice of God, but it is not. The voice of your conscience 
can be used by the enemy and has been used by the enemy. The voice of your conscience can be used by enemy to, to bring condemnation and accusation against you. Make you weak in your conscience and unable to come into God's presence. And that's where you need your, 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 the blood of Jesus. Dennis, are you a universalist? Are you guys universalists? Do you believe like Jesus died and everything is hunky-dory and everybody is saved? No, I'm not. Universalists stop here. And they're right. Jesus died for everyone. But the, the thing is, unless you receive the gift, you're not in the covenant with God. Remember, remember he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But those who received him. To them he gave the right. To them he gave the covenant. To them he gave the gift of the forgiveness of sins. To them he said, this is the new covenant. I will remember their sins no more. So my call to, to the action for non-Christians today. Guys, this is serious. You can fancy your relationship with God all you want. But he only works in the context of the covenant. And there is only one covenant available to you. New covenant in his blood. Receive Jesus today. It's like Jesus wrote a check. To cover all of the debts that you ge uh, generated in your lifetime. And will generate forever. You need to take that check. And you need to cash that check. And you need to rejoice over that check written to your name. Do you hear me? So the question to Christians today. What is your old covenant vicious cycle is? Just check yourself. Don't answer me. I, I can tell you for me what it looked like. And I bet some of you are in the same place. For me, for years, it looked like this. I would rejoice in the, some of the truths of the new covenant. And then I would be careless. And then I would do something. And I would sin. And what do you do when you sin? And you feel you're like, oh, man. So I felt. Here's what I felt. I felt like God left me. I have no presence of God in my life. My fellowship with God has disrupted, interrupted. The Spirit of God might have left me. I don't know. Maybe I lost my salvation. I don't know. So I need to really, really do something about it. So I began to do everything that I knew to do. I would confess. I would pray. I would fast. I would, I would just, and I would mourn. I would mourn and I would just, uh, for about three days. And after that, I would feel fine again. Now, what was my status in these three days? What, what is your status? I don't know how many days does it take for you. Maybe uh, hours, maybe weeks, maybe months. It depends what you've done. I never forget. I'll never forget this, what happened to me. One day, it was Saturday, and I, I have sinned. And I felt defiled and violated. And I felt like there's no God in my life anymore. The problem was, it was Saturday night and Sunday I was supposed to go to the church and I, would, I couldn't skip. I would have skipped, but I couldn't. It was work-related. And I, 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 I try to be a reliable person if I promise I'm there. So <laughs> I had to go to the church in this state. And I came and the worship began. And I raised my hands and I thought like, I'm a hypocrite. And all of a sudden the Spirit of God just rushed on me. 
And I could not believe and I could not understand and it blew my mind and I could not understand. It was probably the strongest experience of encountering God's spirit that I had in in a couple of years. Right in the middle of me feeling crappy about me. Do you know that a lot of you are like this way? And you know why it's happening? Because you confuse old covenant with a new covenant. Do you understand that you're forgiven? Even, even in the middle of you sinning. Even in the middle when you commit the very act of sin. God views you as a saint of God. Stephen did a great job last week. He said, God does not see you as a sinner even if you sin. He sees you as a saint, as a holy one of God who acts stupidly in the moment, who does the weirdest thing, totally, dis- to- totally not matching his new DNA. But God, you know, you're forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus. Well, Dennis, what are you saying? Are we not to confess our sins? Well, just know what you're doing. Confession as a recognition that you're doing something stupid and not matching God's call in your life is fine. But don't you think that your covenant relationship with God depends on your confessing or not confessing? Do you understand that some of the sins you don't even know? What if you forget? What if you have Alzheimer? One time I was invited to preach to a group of people with like different stages of Alzheimer and dementia. And I didn't know that until I got there. And I looked at my audience. And you look better. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. And I said, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, speak to their spirits. And I did. And the nurse came to me and said, what did you do? How did you do that? I worked for years. I've never seen anybody able to retain their attention so much. That was weird. It was interesting. I got distracted again. <laughs> so, so, okay, guys, I've said enough. Your conscience, yes, it will bother you, but the blood of Jesus is there for you. It's not to throw the blood of Jesus here and there and like, I'll put the blood of Jesus here. That's a charismatic voodoo doo-doo witchcraft. <laughs> Jesus did it all. And the only way you can apply the blood of Christ is to your conscience. When your conscience begins to, and the enemy comes and goes, and you're nobody, you're a worm, you're, you're like, you're not deserving anything of God. You say, wait a second, who speaks? Your conscience. Who speaks? Your conscience. Who speaks? Well, your conscience. No. Is it God? No, it's not God. How does God speak? God speaks like Jesus. And God speaks through the blood of Jesus. John said, I write to you these things so that you will not sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. My advocate is a Jewish. It's always a good thing when your advocate, your your lawyer is a Jewish I don't know, it didn't, it didn't play well. In, in Russian, advocate is a lawyer. So anyway, so, okay, guys, I, I'm wrapping it up. Musicians are about to come. But I want you to just recognize and to begin to work that you do not lose your forgiveness of sins. And then you go for a period of time 
kind of in between the covenants, kind of in between you don't know where you are, kind of in between you don't know what God's relationship to you, and then you obtain your forgiveness again. That's old covenant. Get rid of it. You are forever forgiven because of the Christ of, uh, cross of Christ, his blood. You are forgiven, period. Even in the middle of your committing a sin. I know it's weird. It's not our native language, but it's the language of grace. And let me tell you, what's going to happen if you embrace this thing? I'll, I'll be brief, guys. Musicians, just relax, warm up. We're going there. <laughs> I, I, you know, there are many good things that will start happening when you begin to walk in this bold, bold confidence that you're forgiven the first thing that will begin to happen you'll begin to love God more yes. all religious pulpits preach that love God love God love God love God and then love your neighbor but first love God and everybody's trying but they're not doing a good job because Jesus said this is uh, not uh, John said this is love not that we love God but he loved us first and when everybody was irritated by this woman who was pouring out her heart by pouring out her money upon Jesus' feet, he said, you don't understand. She just realized how much she was forgiven. Whoever is forgiven much loves much. Whoever is forgiven little loves little. It's not that some of you have little to forgive. No, all of us have tons of debts. And all of them were forgiven. It's just a matter of recognizing it. So one thing you will love God more you will draw near to him second thing i love the second thing guys that's the reason i moved to america because in russia people are sad don't be like russian people <laughs> but the problem with americans they try to be happy but they fake it you really to be happy you need to be genuinely happy and here's how you become happy you realize that you're forgiven Romans 4, 7, 8, it says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Who is this man? Dennis Kozlov. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm on this platform, and the light is coming. And I know, here's the thing. No matter what you do to me, the light will keep coming to me. I am blessed and highly favored. Why? Because my sin is detached from me. That's you. That's John. That's Wes. Happy birthday, Wes. Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Your sins are forgiven. Rejoice. No matter what happens to you, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. It doesn't matter what trials or tribulation will come your way. You'll be okay. You'll be all right. God has forgiven you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, I preach myself happy. <laughs> Next thing, you become a person who is capable of forgiving others and loving others. In the old covenant... You forgive first and then God will forgive you. In the new covenant, Paul says, forgive others as God has forgiven you in Christ. And sometimes it's hard because you've been genuinely wrong. Somebody has done something horrible against you, violated you, violated your family. And you're going to be locked in this pain. And the only way out of this pain is to forgive. But how can you forgive? Look at what God has done to you. 
and begin to pray for that person. That happened to me once when I was young. Somebody did something horrible to me, and I knew this, 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 this cell is just like closing into me, and I'm being put into this cell of my own making, and I would not be able to get out of it. And I ran to the field, and I started praying for this person. And I started saying, Lord, for, Lord, bless him. And I begin to pray for him, blessing him. And all of a sudden, a few seconds later, just the flow of his grace began to flow through my heart and through my mouth into the life of that person. And this, this cell dissipated. And I was free. Guys, your forgiveness of sins, walk in that forgiveness, it will enable you to forgive others and love others. And the final thing, and I promise that's the final thing. This is super important. If you learn to receive this crazy reality of the new covenant that your sins have been forever forgiven on the cross of Christ, even the ones that you haven't committed yet, you will begin to learn to give forgiveness of God to other people. John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Jesus said to his disciples again after he rose again from the dead, he came to them and he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, listen, he, did it work? Yes. He breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It comes within you. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You become an extension of Jesus' ministry, new covenant, forgiveness of sins, and Spirit of God coming inside of people. If you are like constantly locked in your cycle of like figuring out whether God is with you or not, trying to confess every single thing, God is a not anal CPA with the itemized list of every single thing that is wrong with you that you need to keep track with. He's not. He's like Jesus. He's like Jesus. All right. And somebody would say, Dennis is a cheap grace. It's not cheap. It's very expensive. Grace is not cheap. It's freely given. But the cost God, but, but it cost God the very life of his only son. Grace is never earned or deserved, but it's always costly to the giver. Costly to the extent of the givers himself. Jesus gave himself so that we would have life. And this is the new covenant, the new and living way through his blood and through his body. And the author of the book of Hebrews says, let us draw near through this new and living way. This worship, it's not just going through motions. It's drawing near to God because your sins have been forgiven. Guys, I, your sins have been forgiven. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.